At the end of last year, I made the bold declaration that 2023 was going to be my year of authority. I had absolutely no idea what I was stepping into, but honestly, it has been, even already, the most incredible year of my life. So in today's podcast, we're going to look at some of the common misconceptions around what stepping into your own authority looks like, means, and makes available to you. Let's dive in. Well, hello, gorgeous one. Welcome to Bombshell Radio. Here, we combine pleasure and purpose to liberate women into their divine assignment of being the fullest expression of fierce femininity. My name is Jackie LaCroix. I believe that pleasure is a life force. Beauty is for you, and your sexual design is the key to your greatest fulfillment and calling. I'm the author of the best-selling book, The Bombshell Manifesto, and I've mentored women in body, beauty, business, and intimacy with God, themselves, and men for over 10 years. Each week, you'll receive a different edition of Bombshell Radio, focusing on one of these areas, all designed to inspire you and help you optimize every area of your feminine design so that you can live your biggest, most beautiful life. If you've been longing for a place where you can merge your spirituality and your sexuality and enter a conversation that honors your body, your beauty, your business savvy, and your faith, welcome home. Let's get started. Most of my clients love the idea of the word authority. And yet for many of them, it's terrifying. (laughs) So maybe you feel the same way. Maybe this is a word that sounds empowering and freeing and alluring and like you're finally able to step into your rightful place and into the authentic power that you inherently have been given by God. And yet something in you pulls back. Something in you hesitates. Something in you pauses and maybe even wonders Am I allowed to do this? Is this okay? Looking for someone to give us permission to step into our own authority is one of the first and most common mistakes that women make, that people make, and certainly that I used to make. We look everywhere for someone to give us permission to be in our own power, whether that is a boss or an entire industry, a job, a career title, a girlfriend, a fellow mom, another wife, a spouse, a romantic partner, perhaps a parent or a sibling or a girlfriend, whatever it may be, we look for someone who will pat us on the back and tell us, yes, you may now step into authority. The problem with that is that it is, in many ways, the exact opposite of what authority is, which is your own power, just you, self-contained, not needing or requiring anything from anyone. That doesn't mean we don't accept support. It means we don't require approval. So do you have that kind of courage? For most of the women who I see step into authority, something pushed them off of the edge. 
and recognizing the power that they had and living out of it became the only choice they had, other than accepting total defeat, curling up in a ball in the corner and giving away all of their rights. And whether it was someone they needed to protect or defend or just an inherent sense that that was absolutely unacceptable and wrong and not the way they're going to go through their life, something forced them to decide to discover their own power, to acknowledge their own strength, and to recognize that they had had the authority to call the shots in their life the entire time. So, I know it's painful to possibly look at this, but are there areas of your life, and maybe even specific people or powers, industries, roles that come to mind where you're still looking for permission to be in your own power. And in the particular context of authority, in your own power in a decision-making context, in a way where you get to decide what you are and aren't okay with, what you will and won't allow, what's a boundary that you want to put into place and needs to be respected, and what's okay with you. And having the right to change that while simply understanding that clear communication is required and we have to understand that people can't read our minds, right? So are there people who you're still seeking for permission from? On the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of phone calls I've been on with women, in particular consultation calls, one of the most saddening things to me is how many grown, educated, possibly an undergraduate degree, even a master's degree, women still run to other people in their lives, and in most commonly the context is a man or a husband, for permission. Now, this doesn't look like you know a couple's conversation where they're simply deciding together what works best for them as a unit. It truly feels like a little girl who's terrified to go ask her parents for the right or the ability or permission to go to the party or to spend the money or to buy the thing or to wear the clothes. That's not accurate for our age, ladies. It's a disgrace, honestly. And while I hold those women with so much compassion and understanding because how many of us have been there at one point or another, it's no longer acceptable. And it's fascinating to me to watch how many women kind of teeter on the verge of authority. They see it, they want it, and most important, they can sense that it is right, that it is their birthright, that it is their calling, even part of their assignment to be fully and actualized in their authority. And yet they sit there or stand there right at the edge of the waves, making sure their toes don't even get wet not quite daring to step in. Now, why do we do that? This is misconception number two. We assume that being in our authority would cause us to lose relationships, would cause us to lose the trust, the connection, the easygoing, we know how things work, we have kind of our system as a couple or as a family or as whatever set up, that we would somehow rock the boat and have people be unhappy with us. And this is where most women come to me and are legitimately confused about whether or not it is a good, even Christian thing to do to step into their authority versus making sure that the people around them are pleased with them. Now, you probably already picked up on that. That's the definition of a people pleaser. 
And by biblical command, we are not supposed to be those, right? And yet we have been so cultured, both by church culture, if that's something you grew up in, or simply by girl culture, by female culture, by the culture perhaps in our family home as we grew up, or in the work environment we now have, or God forbid, in a marriage that you may be in, where you keeping the other people happy is the barometer of whether or not you are a good Christian or a good woman or a good girl, right? And even when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, that training can sit so deeply that we literally have almost a crisis of identity around, do I actually have the right and is it wise for me to be in my power, to call the shots in my life, to make the decisions that are my right to make? Or should I continue to do the dance of emotional dynamics, maybe subtle manipulation, various forms of emotional immaturity, God forbid any signs of abuse or narcissism, but something where it seems easier to continue the slightly or even very unhealthy dynamic that exists so that we can preserve the relationships that we legitimately care about. And many women who come to me are concerned because they love these people truly, or they even want to help them. They want to be good people in their lives. They want to be good examples. And what I tell these women, what I'm encouraging you with today is that one of the most powerful ways, powerful and effective ways, you can be a good example to the people who you love, which of course is one of the most powerful things that you can do, right? Is to be allowing yourself to be in your own authority and your own power and to hold boundaries with love, with grace, with compassion, with clear, elegant, classy communication or not, <laughs> right? Or simply not communicating when someone is just constantly trying to start a battle with you, choosing not to, with love, again. And then in so doing, showing that person what's possible for them. Now, I know we hear this. We've probably heard it before. And we think, but that's not loving, right? Like they don't want us to do that, <laughs> right? And in many relationship dynamics, even when it's not overtly unhealthy, but they just haven't learned what's available to themselves and to humans yet, that can feel very true that they don't want you to be the example of someone in her power. They just want you to do what they want you to do, right? That's how you love them. You do what they want you to do. But I want you to think about what is truly in their best interest, right? In the same way, if you're parenting a child and they insist that if you loved them, you would let them eat candy for breakfast and lunch and dinner, and you're very, very mean if you do not, but you know that it's actually your love, care, concern, and desire for their best interests that keeps you from doing what they want you to let them do. Your love is actually what leads you to hold a boundary that might displease them. But it is truly in their best interest. And of course, as they grow up, they start to recognize that, in fact, you were being loving by being in your power, being in your authority in that context as a parent, and holding space for them to flourish, even though at the moment they didn't particularly like it, right? Now, that's an example that's easy to agree with. But what if you're dealing with other adults, with people who, from whatever background, whatever training, whatever experiences they may have, still believe that if you love them, you will do things their way. 
You will exhaust yourself, perhaps, trying to do them all their way. And then you will thank them for the opportunity. And if they want to remain convinced that that is the only way you can show that you love them, you may indeed be looking at a long period of time of them being displeased with you. Which brings us to the next question. Do you have the courage to have people be unhappy with you? If you know in your heart that you are within your rights, that you have behaved with love and great class, and that you are setting an example and creating a container for them to be their best too, even if they refuse to. Because those are your options. You can choose, as many do, to remain in a lifetime dynamic of unhealthiness, of emotional games and manipulation and behind-the-scenes control, or of whatever cycle you've seen, someone sobbing and weeping until they get what they want, or fuming, or stonewalling, whatever, and kowtowing to their desires just to get that uncomfortable behavior to stop because it makes everything in you feel like you're a terrible person. Or to understand that you cannot control that person's behavior, but you can absolutely decide to create a beautiful life outside the circle of their influence and then limit their access to you if that's how they insist on behaving when you are simply living out a beautiful life within your rights, within your authority, creating something wonderful, which is absolutely your right to do. And then if they're attempting to still behave that way, giving them less and less and less access to you. Now, for many women, that feels like the antithesis of being a good Christian, right? Being a good girl, whatever your training or background may be. Aren't we supposed to lay down our lives for other people, put them first, serve them until we're practically exhausted on the floor? Serving people, I see as a long game most of the time. Are there situations where someone is in dire circumstances and you're going to have to ignore your creature comforts to support them while they're in the hospital or they're you know, going through some kind of tragedy? Of course, naturally, right? As the good Samaritan, right? But over the long run, you'll be able to discern people who simply have a true life crisis and need you know, higher levels of assistance for a short period of time and people whose own choices seem to perpetuate those kinds of circumstances and then demand continued support in them if it is that you love them. And as you figure out who's who and what's what, which can be a bit of a painful process of awakening to people's actual nature and degree of emotional maturity, you get to decide if after you've given a certain amount of love and support, it's in your best interest and their best interest to continue, right? Because especially for the mothers who've learned this, hopefully, if not, it's coming because it's a lesson that doesn't stop until we finally get it. When we don't take care of ourselves and we continually lay down to the point of exhaustion to cut every single sandwich into some kind of shape and make sure everything is monogrammed and hand-painted and all of the things, and in the meantime, we lose our health, physical, mental, emotional, relational, and then we become someone who can serve and help no one. So the highest level of service to other people, from my experience, is a long game of ensuring that you're taking care of yourself enough as a tool and a resource that you're available to help when it's needed, rather than having gone 100 miles an hour out the gate, burning out, 
and then not being able to help anyone and simply being in a place where you have to restore yourself. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but it is a powerful lesson of learning to set boundaries so you can actually be of the highest service to other people for the long run. The third question that women tend to bring to me is, I love this idea, Jackie, but is there a way for me to do this where I won't feel like I'm a fill-in, unkind word of your choice, (laughs) right? What people have called you, what you have felt other women look like when you see them very firmly stand in their power, their boundaries, and perhaps not in a loving way. And a lot of women who agree with the concept of authority and even see how perpetuating an emotionally unhealthy dynamic does not serve the person who is asking to be loved in the particular way they want it. And instead, being in your authority, having your boundaries, loving them well in a way that works for you and holds the highest and best space for them, even if they don't like it, they're on board with all of this, but they can't perhaps handle the idea that they'll be perceived as someone who is something unkind, (laughs) right? That People will stop seeing them as that sweetheart who's always there for everyone, and now she's got boundaries. Now she's thinking about herself first. Now she's become whatever, self-centered. I mean, you can fill in all kinds of words. I think you guys get the idea. And the fear of being seen that way and the fear that maybe that is actually the only way that this can be done prevents wonderful women who have massive callings, beautiful assignments, whatever they may be, from stepping into their authority and actually being able to therefore live them out because they don't want to be seen that way. They don't want to be that way. And they fear that it's the only way that it can be done. I am so happy to inform you (laughs) that that is not the only way that this can be done, not by a long shot. And in fact, to me, a woman who is in her quote unquote power and holding boundaries, but is not doing it with love is not really still in her power. She's more like an angry, stomping child who calls it a boundary, but it's more of a tantrum. And I think we've all seen people who behave that way, right? Men and women. So I want you to be encouraged because the way I teach authority, alignment, assignment, and boundaries is to do it with so much class, tact, grace, and elegance that they don't even necessarily know that it's happening. (laughs) And sometimes, of course, they do. But even if they're not particularly happy that they can no longer get you to behave the way that you used to, there isn't any negative behavior that they can call you out on because you're behaving with so much grace and class as you do stand in your power. What does this look like? This looks particularly like controlling your words. When we are stepping into our authority and the people who are used to us being very far out of our authority start having their various reactions to it, you can expect various reactions, right? Based on their personality, their defaults, they may lash out, they may call you names, they may make things up, they may sabotage you, they may cut you off, they may whatever, you know, or a combination thereof. Your if you're human, initial reaction will probably not be, you poor, sweet, unaware, emotionally immature thing, I'm going to pray for you, right? Your initial reaction is probably going to be something along the lines of, what the heck? I mean, who do you think you are? This has, you know, no bearing on the things that I'm requesting. Why are you doing this? Why are you treating, etc., right? Internally, that's probably 
a version of what's going on for you. This is why the critical moment of authority is being in emotional control so that you don't act out of those emotional reactions. And instead, the words you choose in your response are flawless. Now, I not only recommend that for legal reasons, I recommend it because it's simply how we should behave, right? Why give people anything to call us out on, certainly, but also a negative experience? They already don't know how to behave. Let's set the example of what can be done. Maybe they'll improve in the future. Maybe they won't. But you will be right. And I'm not saying right versus wrong. I'm saying right with God, quite frankly. That's how I see things. You will be on the up and up. Your hands will be clean. You are dealing with someone beautifully. Now, you might say, okay, but that's great, Jackie. How do I go from that very authentic emotional reaction you described, which is exactly how I feel when people behave this way, Jackie, to this incredibly classy, noble, queen-like demeanor with the flawless languaging, both in written word and spoken word. (laughs) How do I do that? The key is to expand the time between your feelings that are initially triggered and when you choose to react to be as long as you need it to, to have that reaction be within your control. Okay, in the beginning, that may be weeks, it may be months. With practice, it will probably become days, hours, minutes, and ideally, even seconds. Now, one of my tricks to take this time down to minutes and seconds might not sound very nice, (laughs) initially, but it works like crazy. And I'm going to explain it so that you can see how actually beautiful and wonderful it is. Okay. And it is, I want you to see yourself not as better than the person. Okay. Because that tends to, I find just lead to all kinds of negative reactions. You know, I don't want you trash talking these people. I just, it's all beneath you. So we're not talking about being superior inherently as a better person, right? I know that's tempting to think, but it's just a waste of time and it's not even accurate. But I do invite you, if it speaks to you, it feels true to you, to see your behavior as absolutely superior, right? You yourself, no. Them as inferior, no. But you're each choosing in that moment behavior. They're choosing behavior that feels in alignment with whatever they currently conceive of themselves to be, whatever, justified, I'm sure, among other things. You are going to choose your behavior based on your identity, which is queen, which is empress, which is bombshell, which is noble, like a woman of true noble birth. I'm not saying everyone who is that way behaves this way. It is a concept moving through a crowd of people who have simply never been trained in how to behave with class. You have compassion, you have understanding, you say very little, you accomplish what you need to accomplish, and you get the heck out of there, right? With love, with grace. That's how I want you to see yourself when you're in a moment where you could choose to chew them out, to give them a piece of your mind, to fling back whatever they're flinging at you, insults and threats and whatever, right? But that's so beneath you. And a woman who's in her authority does not do that. A woman who's in true authority does not misuse it, does not abuse it. She also doesn't neglect it. It's where she lives 
all the time, no matter who she has to deal with. It is an identity. And the identity calls out superior behavior. And as you're going through life, you'll find that your superior behavior will call up some other people's behavior to match you. Other people will not come up to meet you at that level, and their behavior will be of stark contrast to yours. That's not your problem, right? Now, the underlying theme to all of this is that in my belief, scripturally, from experience, watching people, studying psychology, this is just the way we're asked to behave. To me as a believer, this is our assignment. This is what God wants us to do. You can see how authority described with this much grace, class, and love in its impenetrable, essentially, demeanor and identity is so godly and is so different from authority that we've perhaps seen misused of people being arrogant and actually seeing themselves as inherently superior or throwing back whatever insults or sabotage or gossip and slander or whatever the people who don't like their new boundaries are throwing at them, throwing it back, right? We may have seen women behave terribly and call themselves empowered. And like I said earlier, that turns us off from the entire concept. And I certainly would think that that is not what God is asking us to do. That's not our assignment as woman in authority. But this, this love, this grace, this constant compassion, yet constant energetic and logistical boundaries, preserving a beautiful space of nobility and class around you as much as you can, no matter who you have to deal with and how they're reacting to you, that, I think, is exactly how someone who is on assignment for God should be going through the world. I don't care what metaphor you like that appeals to you. You can use, you know, that you're a secret agent on a mission. You can use that you're a queen out among the people. You can use whatever, whatever helps you to stay in this idea that it's not about being better. It's about behaving better to call people up to what's available to them and yet not being attached to whether or not they choose to not being thrown off of your throne, not getting off of it to hurl something at someone and not refusing to step up and sit in it at all either. Authority is your birthright. And when you understand the degree of class and love that it can be walked in, you won't fear it anymore. When you understand the degree of buffer it builds to show true compassion to people and to make a beautiful difference and to serve so many over the long term, You'll understand that it's not something we have to apologize for as people trying to do good in the world. It's exactly where we should be insistent on being as priority one, step one. Returning to our authority allows us to have so much more impact without burning out, without being taken advantage of, and without reactions that are beneath the behaviors that match our true identity. So as you continue through 2023 and beyond, I invite you to step into your authority. I will be the first to tell you, there will be fascinating events and opportunities for reactions of many kinds that come up when you show God that you're ready for this next level of living. I want you to understand that that's not a sign that you're doing it wrong. You're headed in the wrong direction or you're being punished. It's simply people who are, and most people are not, at this level, 
reacting to someone who's finally ascending to where I think all human beings belong. Many people never get there. Many people don't even know it's a thing. (laughs) And unfortunately, many people don't have an example of how it's done well. So that's our opportunity to be one. But we can't be one unless we allow ourselves to be. So when reactions come at you, extraordinary opportunities to choose to remain in your authority versus defaulting to an old reaction or behavioral pattern or emotional dynamic that you used to participate in, expect to rock the boat. Just understand that you're not even just the queen of the boat. You're the queen of the entire ocean. You're the queen of the entire fleet. You're the queen of the entire world. Not better than, but behaving at the level that all people are going to see through you is possible and that many women are going to be given the permission (laughs) that we all crave, but certainly the example of how life is done well. So beautiful. Step into your authority without apology, without arrogance, without delay. It's absolutely worth it and you have everything it takes to do it well. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bombshell Manifesto. The Bombshell Manifesto is a two-time number one best-selling book, and it's where I really teach the philosophy of the biblical bombshell. After spending years in ministry and now more years running my life coaching business, I see so many young women and even women well into their lives just floundering and kind of flopping around in some of the essential areas of God-created femininity, such as their relationship with God, their relationship with their bodies, their relationship with men, with sex, with beauty, with their finances. And I just don't think we have time for that. I think that we are called to do such big things for God while we're here. We've got to get these areas under control, locked on, so we can move forward toward our exciting assignments and massive callings in life. So in this book, I really give you the behind the scenes of my personal journey, struggling with what God was calling me to be as a woman going back and forth around the over-sexualized ideas of femininity or the completely asexual versions we often see in the church where we're not supposed to talk about that tough stuff. I lead you through the research and the history around the concept of a bombshell, a few personal visions and ideas I have around it, and then the scripture that God puts in front of us as how he wants us to understand the important role we play as women. Do you know that a woman was the way that the Savior came into the world and was the first evangelist of his resurrection and then ascension. This is a big deal, ladies. So hop over to bombshellmanifesto.com. Now you can find this book on Amazon, but if you go through bombshellmanifesto.com, I've got a couple extra fun free bonuses and ways that you can actually get free trainings and audios that take this whole concept deeper. We walk through the 12 pillars of a biblical bombshell addressing tough areas of life like opening to vulnerability and intimacy, understanding beauty and God's calling for it, getting deeper into our confidence and our security, committing to a relationship with God that blows our minds and more. What I see so much from women and hear from them, and quite frankly, I hear it from men who are looking for a woman to marry or they want their wife to come alive in the way they know that she can, is that there's some kind of tapped in femininity that is out there, that is possible, but that's incredibly difficult to find. 
Women long to be it, men long to find it, and this is the calling that we have as women. This is what we're able and even asked to step into, required, I would say, to step into, to live out everything God has for us. But I see so many women who are stuck in mediocrity and are told that that kind of complacency is contentment and that's where they should stay and they should just be happy with it and, you know, that's life. I don't think that's what God's asking. I don't think that's what we're here to do. And I don't think we have any more time to waste. So join me over at bombshellmanifesto.com. Let's light this thing on fire. Let's get out into the world and do what we're supposed to do. Do what we can do. Be fully who God has called us to be. The bottom line is this. The entire world is obsessed with women, and they should be. That's the way it's designed. We are the ones who continue life, who continue the human race. We are always going to be attracting people's attention. We are always going to be shaping human beings, shaping culture, and pointing people towards something. The question is, what are we pointing them toward? Have we completely released and activated every area of our God-designed femininity to do those things well? I hope you'll join me. I think there's no more important calling on this earth as a woman than to live out her full God-given design and to use it to point people to Him. So let's get this thing started. Let's set ourselves free. Let's set our families free. And let's light the world ablaze with the truth that is only in the gospel. I'll see you at bombshellmanifesto.com.